It's good to see you guys uh, here today at Battlefield. Those of you that are watching online, we are super excited to have you with us. Let me just clear up one thing that uh, Pastor Brad said in his announcements. He did a great job in the announcements, no question about that. Wasn't expecting any applause there. That's probably more than he needs. But anyhow, uh, he said one thing wasn't exactly accurate. Tonight, this concert, you don't want to miss this online Christmas concert. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. It's not about, there's no skinny jeans. I got Nick a present that goes with skinny jeans, so... That's kind of what that's about. So I don't want to give it away, but he puts it on, and it's it's a lot. You need to see it. You don't want to you don't want to miss that. Uh, so that that'll be tonight. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and the music's great. Great chance to worship the Lord. So I hope at seven o'clock you'll uh, log on and join us tonight. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Matthew chapter two. Uh, we're in a series that we've entitled Wish List, and when we think about Christmas, so so many. Uh, times we just instantly go to what's on our wish list for for Christmas, and, and instead of really thinking about God, what is what is your wish for Christmas, Lord? What 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 is on your wish list for me to give to you this year uh, at, at Christmas? And so that's what we've done. Last week we said that really a part of the wish list that God would have for us is that we'd have bold faith, that we'd trust Him with the details of our life. And and today we're going to see this that on this wish list for us at Christmas is that we would have passionate worship. And so we're going we're going to talk about that just for the next few moments. So I am so glad you're here. Let's jump into a story that uh, probably all of us are somewhat familiar with. Even if we didn't grow up in church, we we know this story. But uh, anytime we study God's Word, in many ways it's kind of like looking at a diamond. There's so many different facets and maybe things that we've never seen before, just things we need to be reminded of that can encourage us. So we'll, we'll look at that today. Starting in verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, uh, just a little bit of a reminder here, uh, Herod is ruling over uh, the southern part of the nation of Israel. Rome is in power during this time, but Herod has a little piece of the kingdom, a small piece of the kingdom, and Herod is an incredibly insecure man, just an incredibly insecure man. In fact, he uh, murdered a couple of his wives and multiple children, and so, you know, you, you know what it's like to be around somebody that is just super insecure. It's just taxing on everybody, and so th- this is Herod. And then the next part of of verse 1 says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, I want to stop and just call a time out for just a moment because we are so familiar with this story, right? We're so familiar with this story that sometimes we sort of miss a lot that's there. Like, ever since you've been a small child, you've seen the wise men as a part of the manger. I mean, it just wouldn't be a manger without the wise men. But in, the, in, the, in a first century culture, to have these magi from the east show up as a part of, of, of the most important story in Scripture would have been so weird. And let, let's think about that a little bit. First of all, who were they and where did they come from? Well, they, well, they came from the Persian Empire, modern-day Iraq or Iran or the old Babylonian uh, kingdom or empire. These were a group of people that were political advisors. In other words, when a Persian king had a, a question uh, a, about all manner of things, whether that be science, whether that be uh, astronomy, or they were just in a tough spot and somebody needed kind of some magic arts or dark dark arts, they, they went to the magi. And so that, that's who these, these guys, guys were. And so for the Jews, I mean, they would have looked upon these people. Number one, they were pagans. They didn't worship their God. Number two, they dabbled in, in, in black magic. So that was just something that, according to the Old Testament Scripture, was just something that was just so far out of bounds spiritually you would have never placed these guys in the most important story, the, the story of the birth of the Messiah. You wouldn't have put them there. It makes zero sense to put them there unless they really were there. 
that's the only thing that really seems to, to, to make sense. And, and you say, well, why are you saying that? Because I, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we hear this story and we kind of treat it like a fairy tale, right? And it's not. This is the most amazing story in the history of the world. And, and, and it's a story that can trust your whole life, your whole eternity upon. So it says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. You might want to underline that phrase. In other words, that, that tells us they were doing what? They were, they were watching. Uh, and so that, that begs another question, right? Some of you are like, we're never going to get through this here today, right? we got lunch plans. The Titans are on for crying out loud. We'll get you out of here. But when it rose, they were watching the stars. Why were they watching? Now, life can be difficult, can't it? And most of the time in the most difficult moments of our life, we're really not able to understand what God is doing kind of looking out of the front window of our car. Most of the time, we're only really able to make sense out of life by looking in the rearview mirror. Right? And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, these guys play an important part in God's overall narrative, but it's a difficult story. You see, 600 years before Jesus was born, the children of Israel, God's covenant people, uh, found themselves again in captivity. The first time it was by the Egyptians, which we just finished studying. The second time it was through another vile people, the Babylonians. They came and they destroyed uh, God's land and took God's people a thousand miles away, many of them a thousand miles away from home. And we would look at that and think, wow, where are you, God? What is going on? That doesn't seem to make sense. If this is what it looks like to love you, and, and now all of your people, or most of them are in captivity, Jerusalem is, is, is destroyed, that doesn't seem to make sense. But while the best and the brightest Hebrews were taken a 1,000 miles away into captivity, what went with them was God's story. What went with them was the prophecies of the Old Testament and the truth that one day Messiah would come. And you have this group of people for 600 years, these magi that were longing for that, meaning they were looking for that. And so that's why they were watching the stars. And when this star appears, they know something has happened because the heavens are declaring something that they had not seen before. So they make their way to Jerusalem and just south of that to Bethlehem because they believed that a king had been born. Right? And so we only understand the difficulty of the captivity in Babylon really through this amazing part of the, the Magi showing up at the manger. And so they ask, uh, and, and so Herod asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? When we saw his star in the east, we have come to worship him. That's what the Magi says. Excuse me, verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Why was Herod disturbed? Because he saw Jesus as a threat to his kingdom. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, this is Herod, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. So it's kind of interesting. Herod calls in his magi, if you will. He calls in his advisors, the wisest people of the day, and they say, and Herod says, you know what, does, does, does your holy book say something about a Messiah coming? And they say, yeah. And he says, does your holy book tell us where the Messiah is supposed to be born? And they say, yeah. Yeah. And he says, where? And they answer, verse 5, in Bethlehem, in Judea, which where they were sitting when Herod asked this question is in Jerusalem. Bethlehem would only be five miles to the south. 
right? I mean, it is so, so close. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. In other words, they said, let me tell you, this is how we know this because Old Testament prophet uh, Malachi, he, uh, he tells us this in chapter 5, verse 2, and then they just read that. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. So they go back and look at that uh, uh, prophecy. Then verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly. He calls them back in and found out from them the exact time the star has appeared. Why is Herod so concerned about the exact time the star has appeared? Because he believes if, if what they're saying is true, that this some quote-unquote king has been born during this time, Herod wants to eliminate the threat, right? And history tells us that he tried to do that. We, we know that there was a mass murder of every male child two years of age or younger during the time in the city of Bethlehem during the time of Jesus' birth. That's what Herod is doing. Verse 8, Herod sent them to Bethlehem, which nobody all weekend long has found this to be amusing, but me. Herod thinks he's sending them to Bethlehem. He, he thinks he's in control. He's not in control of anything, right? I mean, these guys had traveled a 1,000 miles. God had led them, and God was in control of this story. But sometimes don't we think we're in control of things? Only to find out, man, we aren't in control of anything, right? So he said, well, why don't you guys go on to Bethlehem, right? Okay, thanks, buddy. Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and, and worship him. He doesn't want to worship him, just eliminate him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child uh, was. What's fascinating to me is in the religious epicenter of the day, which would have been Jerusalem, they couldn't see the star, right? As soon as they get out of Jerusalem, the star appears again. And could it be that in the religious world that we have blinded people from the truth of the gospel? with all of our trappings of religion, that, that, with the legalism and the manipulation and all the, thing that, the things that go there. That's what was happening in this, this story. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, verse 10. Now, again, these are wealthy people. These are brilliant people. Uh, these are people with power and influence, and it's kind of hard to believe they had everything. And here they show up and in the presence of really a pauper, Mary and Joseph, exceedingly poor, and a Jewish child, and they're overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and did what? They worshiped him. They show the proper posture of respect, of submission to King Jesus. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And now we know that, right? I mean, if I had to ask you, hey, what are the three gifts the wise men brought? Even if you never came to church as a kid, you knew that. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Like when you were three, you couldn't say frankincense. You said something, right? We knew the gift. And so from that, we kind of we think that there were three wise men. No, just three gifts. There could have been dozens of wise men that, that, that showed up. But I think one of the things that I always think is so important to me, and, and you know, I'm, just, I'm just one of those guys, and, and I'm sorry that you have to listen to me. I'm one of those guys that I had a lot of questions of my faith. Anybody else been there? I had a lot of questions of, of, of my faith, and I'm, I'm thankful that there were people who sat down with me and explained the truth of things and opened my eyes to things that I'd never seen before, and it just so encouraged my faith. And I realize what I'm about to say now, if you're a skeptic or a non-believer, I'm not assuming that you'll hear that and, and immediately become a believer, because that's something that the Lord has to do. But, but I believe this, if you're, if you're a Christian who may be struggling a little bit with faith, this might be an encouragement to you, right? The three gifts they brought are exceedingly significant. 
significant. Why did they bring gold? You brought gold as a gift to a king. So they believed that this child was a king that was being born. Frankincense, why did they bring frankincense? This is a peculiar, peculiar gift. You would never bring this to a baby shower. Why did they do that? It was, it was used in, in worship. Uh, it, 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 was when it, was, it was a resin that when it was burned, it just had an incredible aroma, and so it was used to, in worship to the Lord. And then wh- why did they bring that? Because they didn't just bring, believe that Jesus was a king. They believed he was the high priest, the ultimate high priest, right? And then finally, they brought myrrh, which was used to anoint a body after death. Again, a lousy gift to bring to a baby shower, right? I mean, you would never do that because they believed he was ultimately the suffering servant that would die for his people. So that's all embedded in this story, which I, I just, it just blows me away. I, I, don't, I don't know about you. Some of you are like, no, no, it doesn't. Anyways, well, let's move on. Verse 12, and having been, been warned in a dream, who warns them? God warns them, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, because if they go back to Herod, what's going to happen? It's over, right? They return to their country by another route. Would you underline that phrase? They return to their country by another route. God redirected them, and that's going to be such a crucial part of the story. So I've got 15 minutes. Do you have 15 minutes? That's a bigger question. So here we go. I want to share, I think, seven things about worship that I think are really important. It's not everything. It's not everything we can say, but I think it's some really important things about about worship. Uh, First of all, here's the first thing I would say. Worship, and we're going to define it a little bit more in just a second. Worship is the only proper response to King Jesus because in this story is your story. And you think, what do you mean? Every response that anyone has ever had or will ever have to Jesus is really already in this story. In fact, I would say it this way. I really think there are only three responses to Jesus. I really think there are only three responses, and you see them in this story, right? The first response that you see in this story is a hostile response. Herod has a hostile response to Jesus. He sees Jesus as a threat to his kingdom. There are many people on planet Earth, and maybe even here today, maybe you're watching, and and the truth of the matter is your response to Jesus is somewhat hostile because you see him as a threat to your kingdom kingdom. Now, here's the reality. Herod lost his life and lost his kingdom very, very shortly after this. He wasn't, he, he wasn't able to keep it. And in fact, what Jesus was coming to do really was far greater, and it, it wasn't about what Herod thought it was about. Anyways, he missed it because of his hostile response. Now, the second response is this. It's a, an indifferent response or dismissive. That's what you see in the spiritually elite. When Herod asked these Jewish priests and scribes, he asked them a question about where Messiah is to be born. They knew the answer like that. I mean, they knew what the Bible said, but they weren't willing to walk five miles down the street, right, to see if the Messiah had been born. So what? it's just indifference. And can I just be honest with you today, and people have been offended by this all weekend long, I understand the first response, Herod's response, a little bit better than theirs. Theirs doesn't make any sense. I mean, they knew it, but it, had, it made no impact in their life. Listen, you can reject Jesus out of hand, but listen, if you, if, you, if you know him, what you cannot be is indifferent about him. It is impossible to know the truth of the gospel and who King Jesus is and what he has done and what he wants to do in your life and be indifferent about him. That just doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, I think it does. But let, let me try to push it a little further. This is really going to be uncomfortable. 
the number one thing I hear from believers is this. Do you think 2021 is going to be better than 2020? And everybody's like, boy, I'm ready to be done with 2020. And I hear that. I hear that. Let me tell you something. I don't think so. And you say, what in the heck are you talking about? You're, you're not, no, I'm not talking about coronavirus. I'm not talking about racial unrest. I'm not talking about any political stuff. Let me just tell you something. King Jesus is coming back, whether you believe that or not. I mean, you have a group of people that are indifferent to his coming the first time, and they missed it. But let me tell you something. Tonight, it feels like tonight. It's not tonight. This morning, he's coming again. And we live in a day where most people pay no attention to that. And, 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 and because I know he's coming again, one of the things that the Scripture says about the times prior to his coming, that they would be like labor pains, right? And so what do we know about labor pains? You say, well, thank you, Pastor Brady, for telling us. You don't know anything about them. I understand that. Uh, they become more intense, and they get closer and closer together. And when are we going to realize perhaps that is what's going on around us, that it is planet Earth preparing for the return of its king? And listen, I believe the church is just indifferent about that, and I don't think it is something that we can be because I think indifference the first time caused them to miss it. And I don't want us to miss it. Or the final response is just passionate worship. Isn't it interesting? The people who get this are some, uh, they're, they're, they're pagan wizards from a thousand miles away. And they, they show the proper response. That's worshiping King Jesus. Number two, worship is this. Worship is, is the thing God desires and he deserves. Let me tell you that. Worship is the thing God desires and the thing that he deserves most. Now, we, we have some gifts up here on, on the stage. You, you, you saw these. You guys saw them when you, you, the mini bike's pretty cool, isn't it? We're giving it away in just a moment. I'm not just kidding. We're not. That was wrong. I should have never said that. You're going to be listening. Uh, that was terrible. Why did I do that? No. Uh, we, let's think about this. A set of golf clubs here. Uh, these, aren't, these aren't mine. Um, but this is, a, this is a Ping G400 driver. So here, here, let, me, let me make a point with this driver. If you're a golfer, you don't say to your wife, hey, I'd like a set of clubs. And she says, well, what kind? It doesn't matter. It's clubs. No, you would be very, I mean, we got golfers here. If you're a golfer, you're very specific about that. I mean, you will lay out the kind of irons you want, the driver that you want, the kind of putter that you want. I mean, you are quite specific about the kind of golf clubs that you want. I'm a fisherman. You know, if I say to Amy, I want a reel, and she says, what kind of fishing reel? It doesn't matter. Just whatever, baby girl. Just give me a fishing reel. No. I would say I want a Shimano Corrado um, DC, I want an 8.1 to 1 gear ratio, 40 pounds of drag. And you say, is that really fun? Yeah, that's actually what I want. But anyways, like super, so aren't you, and, and ladies, like you don't, you don't say, well, I'd, I'd like a blouse. That's such a weird word. Anyways, I said that. It's, not, it's like, a, like a top. What, what kind of top do you want? It doesn't matter. Just get me one. Like, you know, Walmart, Target, Tiffany Lane, don't care. Just a top. No woman, ladies, you would never say that, right? I mean, you're going to be super specific about what you want. Well, so here's the point. You're like, do you have one? Yes, I do. God desires and deserves worship. And the Scripture is quite clear about what kind of worship, what it looks like. And so we're, we're going to see that. Num- number three, here's a good working definition of worship. Worship is finding something greater than yourself to surrender to. I, I would say that's a great definition of worship. Now, again, this message is not about you becoming a worshiper. You're already a worshiper. 
Everybody on planet Earth is a worshiper. We, 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 we came into to this earth a worshiper. We started out worshiping self, and, and for some of us, that, that, that's just, that's never changed. But we all have things in our, in our life that we give ourselves to. We give ourselves to relationships. We think that is the, 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 the thing that is, is going to fully satisfy. We give ourselves to our career, uh, to our children. Those are things that are greater than ourselves we give ourselves to. But, but here's where all these things kind of come crashing down. They ultimately don't, don't satisfy. And so what is fascinating to me, watch this, what is, and I want to show you a passage in a, sec, in a second. What's fascinating to me is here is these wizards from the east that had it all, and they are kneeling in the presence of this Jewish peasant infant because they recognized he was king. You see, and they were seeking something more. I, I want to show you a passage from Daniel chapter 2. You've got to think a little bit. Let's go back 600 years from this story. I want to try to give you some context about these magi, about these wise men. Is that all right? Can we do that for a second? Let's go back 600 years. The children of Israel are in captivity uh, in the Babylonian at this time empire under King Nebuchadnezzar. You may remember, remember Nebuchadnezzar from world history. Uh, uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 10, the astrologers answered the king. Now, these astrologers. In other words, King Nebuchadnezzar brings his magi in, his wise men. Some of them were astrologers, some were scientists, all, all kinds of things. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. What just happened? Nebuchadnezzar calls in the wisest of the wise, his magi, and he asks them a question, but he flips it on them. Instead of asking them to interpret his dream, he asks them to tell him what he dreamed. That's a rule changer, isn't it? And they're like, whoa. Because if you just say, tell me what you dreamed, or if he tells you a dream, tell me what that means. I mean, anybody can kind of blow some smoke there, right? Kind of make some stuff up and think, yeah, maybe that could be true. But he says, you know what? Tell me what I dream. And they're like, uh-uh, can't do it, right? Look at verse 11. Listen to what they say. What the king asks is too difficult. Now, these are the, are the ancestors of the dudes who showed up at the manger, Right? What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they don't live among us humans. Wow. It's pretty powerful. Like, what you're asking is impossible. We don't have it. Like, we can't do that. We are looking for that, but we don't have it. And, in fact, here's what it would take to really answer you. I mean, God would have to come down and live among us, and so here's the point. That's why for 600 years this class of person, this magi, they were watching the stars because they were longing for God to step into the world because they didn't have the answers. They were looking to him. And that's what a worshiper does. It realizes I've got to find something greater than myself to give myself fully to. And that's why they gave themselves to Jesus, you see. Now, let's look at the fourth thing. What does it mean that what, 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 is, what is worship? Well, worship is praise. Now, when I say praise, that can be thanksgiving. That can be through song. I want to talk to men for just a second. Can I talk to men? Ladies, take five minutes off, right? Check your Facebook, whatever you need to do. You've been doing it anyways. I'm watching. Um, <laughs> guys, I hear this all the time from, from dudes. Like, Man, I don't sing. I don't sing. I don't sing all week. I don't sing when I come to church. So I'm not doing it. Like, it's not any other place in, in, in my life where I sing, and I'm not coming into that room and singing. 
And so, and I even hear guys who I really respect in ministry, they say, you know what, I don't, I don't know that the church has kind of got that right. I mean, men don't sing in any other place. Why should we have them come in and sing in church? Let, let me push back against that. This, this place isn't supposed to be like any other place. This, supposed to, this place is supposed to change us so we can make every other place different. This is not the same place, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. You don't want to clap because I'm, I'm going to make you mad. Right? So, I mean, I appreciate it, but. But that would be like, I don't sing in church. That would be like your wife or your girlfriend saying, baby, this year for Christmas, I want a necklace. And then you as a guy saying, I don't shop for jewelry. I don't jewelry shop. Uh, Let me tell you, if you don't jewelry shop, if she asks for jewelry, can I tell you how that story ends? It'll be in Pastor Nick's office after the first of the year, right, when you've been on the couch over the Christmas holidays. Not well, right? Our, our guys will say this, you know, in marriage counseling, she wants me to be romantic. I'm not romantic. What do I need to do? You better learn how to be romantic because if that's what she wants and that's what she needs, you better figure it out, Hoss, right? That's all I know to tell you. If she wants some jewelry, you better go get her some jewelry, right, because that's what she wants. Well, King Jesus wants to be praised, and you flat out better learn how to praise him. I want to tell you that, right? We're going to be doing it for all eternity, you know? No amens to that. Do you see that? But worship and praise is really the core of the Christmas story, right? If you go back and read it, reread it, Matthew's account or Luke's account, everybody that gets it has one that has the same response. Like Mary, uh, Mary in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46, she finds out that, that she's the anointed one that would carry the Messiah, and she just breaks out into a 10-verse song as she worships the Lord. Look at that, verse 46 through 55. I mean, the angels, when they show up to the shepherds, we'll look at that next week, and they're just praising and worshiping God. The shepherds, I mean, this rough neck group of guys, they go over to the manger, and they come back, and they are singing. They are worshiping God. That's why I say to guys, listen, I don't know how tough you think you are, you weren't or are not tougher than those dudes, right? I mean, they stayed up all night long with their bare hands and fought off stuff that was coming to try to attack the lambs and the sheep. These were, these were dudes. And when they got in the presence of the king, they came back singing praises to the king. I mean, the, the shepherds, the, the, the magi, they're worshiping. I mean, Mary and Joseph show up after Jesus is born. They go to the temple for the purification rites, and some old dude named Simeon pulls the baby away from Mary, which is an interesting story. You get arrested today if you did that, and he's holding him up, and he's worshiping, and Mary's freaking out, and then a woman named Anna, who's 85 and been a widow most of her life, comes over to Mary, and she's worshiping. She's praising God. It is at the core of the story. Worship is praise. And it's not just singing. Listen, it's not, I, know, I know what you're saying because I get the pushback. I read the emails. Worship is more than singing. I understand that. But it's not less than that. I promise. It's not less than that. It is more than that. We're going to get to that. But it's not less than that. So we need to grow. If this is what the Lord desires and deserves, we want to give it to him. That's the specs on worship, right? And we'd grow in that. Now, I'm a, let me just say this. I'm a terrible singer. Like uh, Amy and I sit right over there on Thursday night, and there's like eight people here on Thursday night, so you hear every voice. And there's times where I'm into it, and I can tell she's like, dude, dial it back. So the worship in your heart right here. That would be, a, be better for you to do that. She never says that. But we can, we can grow in that. Here's the fifth thing, really important about worship. Worship is life-giving. I really want, I want, I want you to hear this because worship is what God desires and deserves but it's also what we need most of all. That's what's so, that's so ironic about our God that he would have on his wish list something that would do something amazing in our lives if we just trust him in that. 
He said, we, we, we say about Christmas, this is the most wonderful time of the year. But it's not for a lot of people, is it? Let's be honest. This is the toughest time of the year for a lot of people. You've, you've lost somebody this year. It's tough, right? There's a lot of emotions that are triggered from past pain in your life as a child. And Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year for some people. It's the hardest time of the year for some people. So what, what, what do we do? Well, I, I think worship has something to say there. Paul David Tripp said, you'll never be free as long as you have forsaken the worship of God for something else. You'll never find freedom as long as you have forsaken the worship of God for worshiping something else because it's what God desires and deserves, and it's what we need. All right, look at Psalms 43.5. I love this verse, and we're almost done. You guys are doing good. You can hang in here, right? Psalms 43, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Listen to the psalmist. He's talking to himself. Why am I so discouraged? Have you ever felt that way? I have. Why am I so down? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so disturbed within me? Why do I have so much fear? What's going on with me? What's wrong with me? Why so much anxiety? We've all said things like that, haven't we? If we're honest, we've all felt that way. If we're honest, now watch the response. He begins to preach truth to himself. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Do you know what brings him out of this pit? Praise Worship. It's not like he sits down and has this rational explanation for why he's discouraged and disturbed. He turns his attention. It has nothing to do with him. He turns his attention off of himself and puts it on the Lord, and then he begins to be relieved. Worship is God, what God desires and deserves most, and it's what we need most. We say this at Christmas a lot. Help me. It's better to give than receive. I hated that when I was a kid. I never believed that. I don't know any kid that really believes that. Do you? Like, no kid believes that. That's like a terrible, I don't even know why you say it. It's better to give than receive. No, it's not. I've tried it. As I get older, as I have gotten older, it's really become true in, in my life. Like, the gifts that people have given me, there, there's gifts under the tree for me right now at my house that I have not opened. But there is not a gift that I have bought someone for Christmas that I haven't already given them. It's true because I can't wait. Like I, I, got, Amy, I got Amy something on uh, Amazon, and I even I had it wrapped because I can't wrap, and, uh, and, and it shows up, and, she, you know, just put it on, under the tree. No, I want you to open it. It's like November. I know. I know. But I want you to open it. I can't wait. Because if, if, I, if, I, if I get you something, I want you to open it because that is just super, super exciting the older I get. And that's kind of the way it is with worship. We're like, yeah, this is what God wants. No, it's really what I need. It's really what I need. And when you begin to learn that, it begins to, to change, your, change your life. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying it. Please hear what I'm about to say. We have counseling here all the time, and it's a great thing, and you should, you should do that. If you, you need that, we have that, and we offer that. But you know what? Can I just tell you something? It won't cost you a cent, and I guarantee it won't hurt you. Why don't you, first of all, try praising him for a season? Why don't you just set at a prolonged period of praising and worship him? You know, let me just give you an assignment. Walk your block and spend the whole time walking your block not asking God for anything but just thanking him for everything you know him to be and just watch what begins to happen. It's amazing. Are you sick today? Praise him. Are you discouraged today? Worship him. Are you addicted today? Thank him for who he is. Are you stuck? Praise this king and watch 
Watch what he will do. The Bible says that God inhabits, that means come to dwell and bring his power with the praise of his people. It unlocks something. I guarantee you it will not hurt you. I promise you that. Let, let, let's look at number six. Worship is, is displayed this way. Two more. You guys got it? In sacrificial obedience. So what, what does worship really look like? It's praise. It's thanksgiving. Yeah, we got that. But it's also sacrificial obedience. It's like what Joseph did last week when the angel of the Lord said, Hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What is conceived in her came through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph's like, okay. He does it. That's sacrificial obedience. I mean, look at verse 1 again, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Just, just, just quickly, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east, I mean, we're not talking about from next door, we're talking about a thousand miles away, came to Jerusalem. So these guys sacrificed a thousand-mile journey, one year of their lives, one way to get there. Another year back, it was dangerous and it was uncomfortable, but you know what it was? It was an act of worship. That's what sacrificial obedience is. It is an act of worship. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in other words, it has to be the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus that fuels you to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the specs on worship. What does worship that God desires look like? Well, well, part of it is sacrificial obedience. And, and that's why this frankincense that they, that they brought, it was to be used in worship as a pleasing aroma to God. And it was, it was a part of a far greater picture. It was a shadow. Watch this. It was a shadow of the way that our lives are meant to be, that our lives when we're living in sacrificial You're just yawning. Am I, are you, am I putting you to sleep, Nick? I just looked over. I'm trying to, I'm preaching my heart out here. Stay with me, friend, as an act of sacrificial obedience and worship to the Lord, right? Gee whiz. Okay, here we go. Nothing back. I'm sorry. But our life is to be lived in, lived in obedience, and that is a, a, a sacrifice to the Lord of obedience. Amy and I have, 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 have a good marriage. I love my wife. I love our marriage. We, we disagree on some things. In the winter, one of our biggest disagreements is fires. I love wood-burning fires. Any guys like that? I love them. Like if you have a gas fireplace, come on, seriously. I love a wood-burning fireplace. My wife does not. Uh, she hates it. Gives her a headache. And so uh, we don't have a wood-burning fireplace. You're like, man, you don't run your house? No, I don't. And you don't either, right? So back <laughs> off. Back off. So, um, but I got a neighbor across the street. I get exposed 60. Man, he's got like eight ricks of wood, and, I mean, the smoke's coming. It's billowing out of his house. I'll go out in my front yard just for a few tokes. I'll just go out, bring it in. Like, man, I just need to smell that. She's like, did you go to the mail? No, just smelling smoke. It's like, don't stay out there too long. It'll get on your clothes, and you'll bring it in the house. See, that's enough right there. I'm going to have to stop you right there. I'm going to have to smell a little smoke because I love it. I just love the way it smells. But look at Ephesians chapter 5 and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as what? A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus' sacrificial obedience on the cross was a fragrant offering, an act of worship to his God. And so what does God desire and deserve? It is worship. Well, what does worship look like? It looks like sacrificial obedience to the Lord that is a fragrant offering to him. Do you see that? So important. Last thing. Here we go. Worship involves a lifestyle of repentance. Look at <clears throat> verse 12. 
And after, and after being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men returned to their country by another route. Let me tell you something. True worship. You know, sometimes people say, man, we had great worship today. What that means is they like the song selection we picked out. Here's what true worship is. When you experience true worship, when you're in the presence of God with true worship, you experience his power and you know it's true worship. Why? Because when you leave, you're leaving a different route. With a, it's a picture of repentance. I came in this way carrying this stuff, involved in this, and I am leaving going a different direction. You see, and, and to be honest, like here's where you push back. Watch, I, wanna, I so want to connect. I so want to connect to some people. Some of you are like, man, don't, don't, don't get into my life right here. Don't talk to me about some things that I need to repent of in my life. I don't want to hear that right now. Well, listen, if they would have gone back, if these magi would have gone back the same way that they came, their story ends there, right? I mean, Herod is a, Herod is a picture of, of, of Satan. I mean, this is a ruthless dude. If he killed wives and he killed his sons, these guys, these guys wouldn't have lived promise you that, but God protects them and provides for them through repentance, and that's part of the way that we worship the Lord. So let me just say something. Did you come in here today with some unforgiveness? Could you walk in forgiveness? Could you turn away from that as an act of worship to the Lord? Did you come in here today with just lips full of gossip? Could you leave here today turning away from that with words of encouragement and, and truth? Did you walk in here today with so much immorality in your life? Could you repent of that and walk out of here in purity? Did you walk in here as just a person that's just wasting so much of your time instead of serving in the kingdom? Can we walk out of here a different route? Can I say this, the most important thing that I need to say today? Some of you, you walked in here and all your life you have trusted yourself for your standing with God. But if you could deliver your own salvation, it makes zero sense that Christ came to do that for you. And today, what needs to happen, you need to return a different route. You need to turn from trusting in yourself for your standing with God and trust completely in Christ for what he came to do. Again, we said it last week, Jesus didn't come to show you the way to God. He came to be the way to God, right? And it is only through trust in him that we are forgiven. Some of you need to do that. I'm going to invite our band out as we close the service out today. In this story, there are three responses to Jesus. Herod has a hostile response. Anybody here that finds Jesus a threat to your kingdom? The scribes, the priests, they had an indifferent or dismissive response to the king. But the magi, they bowed in worship to the king. It's what he desires and what he deserves. Can I tell you something about this King Jesus as we close? He is a healer for the sick. Does anyone believe that today? I believe that. He is hope for the hopeless. Is there anyone who believes that today? I believe that today. He is a father to the fatherless. Does that help anybody today? He is strength for the weak. He is the resurrection, and he is the life. He is the Savior for the lost. Can I tell you who he is? He is my king, 
and he deserves to be worshiped, and he deserves to be praised. So can we stand all over this room here today, all over this room? If you're watching online, you're saying, well, they're about to play music. I'm just going to click that off. No, don't be a consumer. Be a worshiper. Would you stand to your feet? This is what the Lord desires most, and let's give him some praise. Let's give him some worship. It's what he desires at Christmas. He's given us the specs on this, so let's worship him today. Could you do that?